Good morning, and welcome to The Weekender on Y95, brought to you by Aris Yarmouth, your one-stop healthy home center. I'm Kevin Northup. This morning, Saturday, November 5th, 2022, we present our Remembrance Day-themed program. One of our province's oldest living veterans resides in Yarmouth. Jim McRae joined the Army when he was 23 years old in 1941 with the 162 Squadron during the Second World War. He is a recipient of the Distinguished Flying Cross and became the oldest person to lay a wreath at last year's Remembrance Day ceremony in Yarmouth. Here is McRae with a reading of John McRae's 1915 poem, In Flanders Fields, recorded in 2018. In Flanders fields the poppies blow Between the crosses row on row That mark our place And in the sky the lark still bravely singing Fly scarce heard amid the guns below We are the dead Short days ago we lived Felt dawn, saw sunset glow Loved and were loved And now we lie in Flanders fields Take up our quarrel with the foe To you from failing hands we throw the torch, be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. That was Jim McRae of Yarmouth, now 104 years old. Our program continues this morning with more on upcoming Remembrance Day services in Yarmouth and Wedgeport. We'll also revisit Jacob Hostelwaite's interview with local historian Dave Solos from last year and share a series of letters written by a local soldier during World War I. The Weekender returns in a moment on Y95. Back to The Weekender on Y95. I'm Kevin Northup. Remembrance Day is coming up on Friday, and there are a couple of ceremonies taking place uh, in the town of Yarmouth, and the Poppy Campaign has been ongoing for about a week now. With us is the chair of the Poppy Campaign in Yarmouth, uh, Ken Dennis from Branch 61, joins us this morning. Ken, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me, Kevin, for this uh, very important uh campaign that we have underway for like you said for the last week and it'll run right through till the 10th of november mm-hmm. and and, uh, uh, and i know you've been very busy uh the last week or so and in, in getting this off the ground and, and one of the main things is getting the boxes out there to the different uh the different businesses that's correct we have 92 boxes out there and i, I must say uh getting a lot of support from the community because they really value uh, what this means to everybody and uh honoring our veterans and and uh, donating money to to uh, veterans uh, and families and that's what it's all about and for yourself you know for you for you what does it mean to you to see you know somebody wearing a poppy every year and to be involved in this uh, like you are with the legion well it means a lot to me because uh, i have a long history of uh, of the military and and veterans having uh three of my children in the in the military and my grandfather and uncles and I'm sure everybody uh, can say the same thing about their families and and uh, and what it means to them to even to to honor the veterans and to even stand at the cenotaph and remember and just reflect on on everything that these these men have done that that uh, whose names are on those on those monuments Right, and uh, we'll be doing that again coming up in uh, in less than a week's time. We'll have a Remembrance Day ceremony uh, service at the Cenotaph in Yarmouth. Uh, so there's always one outside, of course, at the Cenotaph, and then there's one at the Mariner Center for people to go in and see. So uh, similar plans happening there this year for both of those services? Absolutely. Uh, there will be the two services, as, as uh, there has been the last number of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a number of years for sure, uh, uh, ever since I've been in here in Yarmouth, and that was 2009, so I know it's been going on like that for a long time, and uh, uh, the Cenotaph, I believe, starts around 10.30, 10.45, and then Mariner Center is uh, around the same time as well, so so people can go on out to uh, to those services, and, uh, and I know we talked with... Uh, uh, another uh, Legion member in Wedgeport, Andre Boudreau, for this program, and he said, it's so important if you can't make a service even, just to take those two minutes at 11 o'clock and remember everyone who's fought for our country. So I'm sure you're you're feeling the same way about that. You want people to stop and uh, and reflect and remember on uh, on Friday. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of businesses are closed. Uh, some have to stay open, and uh, I'm, and that's just the way it is. I mean, 
But uh, take the time just to remember and reflect on on our, all those that, that gave their lives and that are most names on that cenotaph over there. They're, they're not here in Canada. They're buried overseas where they gave their lives. So, And this monument here in Yarmouth, it's, it's next year it's 100 years since it was wow. unveiled. So wow. we've been doing this a long time. It's been a long time for sure, and it's always nice to honor our veterans and, and uh, remember those who fought. And in doing that uh, with those poppy donations, uh, that supports a lot of different initiatives, and it helps the veterans and their families, correct? It certainly does. Uh, veterans in crisis and their families, you don't have to be a Legion member to to have access to these funds. And uh, it's the money in this poppy campaign goes for bursaries for schools, uh, support, supporting uh, scouting, uh, correction, supporting the cadet organizations in our area. And uh, veterans, Christmas baskets and uh, cemetery upkeep, uh, heating fuel, groceries, and even uh, anything to do with with veterans and families in crisis. That's the main thing with this Poppy campaign. Absolutely, and uh, like you said, assistance for veterans and serving military in need, training and research, uh, family resources, uh, drop-in centers, uh, anything you can name uh, that involve veterans. This is what uh, helps out there. Second year as well for the uh, the banner uh, program on Main Street and around Yarmouth. I know uh, that's expanded uh, this year as well. How are things going with that? Well, you just have to drive down Main Street <laughs> or walk and, and down Main Street and up Parade Street. I mean, we have, uh, there are 50 banners and uh, the Legion has been a partner in this project, but we haven't been the lead on this project. I might, I want to point that out that that uh, the town of Yarmouth has really stepped forward and and uh, stepped up with this project and their staff and uh, Todd Muse, the supervisor of parks and, and facilities here, he's gone above and beyond to get this project underway. And uh, like I said, we are a partner. We help uh, money from the Poppy Fund goes towards offsetting the cost of these banners. But it's just wonderful to walk down Main Street and see your relatives and, and family members up there and being honored. It sure is. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it emotional probably for family members to see because there's pictures of the veterans actually on these banners. And, you know, it's one thing to see a name on, on a monument, which is, you know, on the cenotaph, which is certainly powerful. But to see the picture of somebody as you're walking down the street, oh, that was my grandfather, that was my great uncle, that was, you know, somebody that I knew. Uh, that, that certainly uh, hits home. So I know it's expanded this year, and uh, uh, are there still opportunities maybe for next year if somebody wants to get involved in that? Well, the Legion does not control that. It's the town of Yarmouth. They have, I'm sure they have a waiting list. I know they have a long waiting list, and uh, we'll just see. We'll have to wait and see what happens there next year and, and uh, where it goes from here. And uh, the Poppy campaign kicked off. I saw a photo of you uh, giving the first Poppy to Mayor Pam Mood, um, and it's been going on since uh, the last Friday in October. Uh, are any volunteers needed for the Poppies and as far as attending boxes anywhere, like at the mall or anything? Has that been sorted out, or are you looking for any more help in that regard? Well, we can always take help, you know, with every service organization, and uh, they're dealing with the same uh, issues, uh, lack of volunteers basically mm -hmm. but uh, I've put the call out there and we can always take volunteers and they can drop by the Legion and pick up a, a poppy box and go and just sit at the mall even and and or sit at Sobeys and or at the liquor store and just uh, greet people and talk to people it's a good way to pass some time and for a right worthy cause good way to get out there for sure and uh uh how are things going at the legion uh state branch 61 lately i know a lot of things are coming back the pandemic's been uh you know certainly a factor there but now that things are opening up i know some dances are back different things uh what's been going on there uh, the past uh, 12 months or so well we're like you said dances are on saturday night there's bingos uh to raise money all these all these funds uh go towards the operating fund of of the actual legion because it's very expensive as you know to 
insurance and, and taxes and, or, and uh, heat. So we're doing our best with the numbers that we have to keep the doors open and, and uh, carry on. That's right. Well, Ken, I know you're very busy with the Poppy Campaign, and I appreciate your time on this. Is there anything else that you'd like to add or that we should know about uh, things leading up to uh, uh, Remembrance Day on November 11th? Well, I just, uh, like I said before, I'm just very happy with all the support in the community. I see uh, people wearing poppies, and the businesses are very supportive in uh, let, allowing us to put our boxes there and to display the, to the wreath. And uh, so it, it's winding down, and Remembrance Day is fast approaching, so we hope to see everybody at the Mariner Center or at the Cenotaph uh, for this occasion. And that'll be uh, on, again, Friday, November the 11th. Uh, Ken Dennis is the Poppy Chair with uh, Branch 61 of the uh, Royal Canadian Legion here in Yarmouth. Uh, please wear a poppy. Uh, please uh, help veterans out uh, this week and uh, as we lead up to uh, to the day on Friday. Ken, again, thank you very much for being here. Well, thank, for ha thank you for having me. The Weekender returns in a moment on Y95. Welcome back to The Weekender on Y95. I'm Kevin Northup. We're less than a week away from Remembrance Day, and of course uh, that involves taking two minutes of silence wherever you are at 11 o'clock to reflect. It involves wearing a poppy. It could involve for you going out to a service as well. Many services are taking place uh, across the Tri-Counties, and we want to welcome back to The Weekender uh, our, our guest and a uh, frequent guest on The Weekender, always promoting the Wedgeport Legion Branch 155, and we certainly love to hear from uh, Andre Boudreau, the secretary of Branch 155, to talk about uh, what uh, the Legion's doing this year and uh, some of the different initiatives leading up to Remembrance. Day. So, Andre, good morning. Thank you for being here. Good morning, Kevin, and thank you very much for the invite. Uh, I always appreciate coming here and uh, joining you on the weekender. And uh, it's such a special time of year, and you really like to promote the Wedgeport Legion all year long because there's always things that are happening all year long. What are some of the things this year, I guess, that you're uh, the most proud of uh, with the Wedgeport Legion? Probably some of the things we're probably most proud of that we're doing right now is that we put the uh, Canada flags on all the veterans graves within within our area and uh, you'll find now if you go to Yarmouth County that there's uh, Canadian flags on all the veterans graves and I'd like to talk about that a little later on uh, but for us in Wedgeport on Remembrance Day we'll be supporting three uh, remembrance ceremonies one in Tuscan at nine o'clock in the morning uh, Wedgeport we start at 10 o'clock in the morning and at the Carlton Cenotaph, uh, one of our members will be running the Carlton, Carlton Cenotaph, and he's looking for any veterans in that area to join him in Carlton. I'll, I'll just mention that Yarmouth will have one at the Mariner Center and the Cenotaph, and Pubnico is going to have theirs at, uh, at the church in Pubnico. So lots of different chances to catch uh, those ceremonies, and I know uh, every year many people attend, and now we have... Uh, no restrictions, so that's uh, certainly something that's that's uh, good for uh, Remembrance Day. Uh, a lot of people can come out to this. So I know it starts at St. Michael's Church in Wedgeport. Uh, give us the rundown, I guess, Andre, of uh, how it's going to work on Friday. So how it works on Friday, typical for Wedgeport, we have a, a Mass, of course, and at 11 o'clock we have our Remembrance Ceremony. Uh, this year, a little different than we've... COVID changed a few things, so... Uh, all the most of the wreaths will be placed at the at the front of the church before the service starts, and during the remembrance service, the only wreaths that'll be laid are those for the pro, uh, the, the the nation, the province, municipality, and for uh, the war dead. Uh, other than that, the wreaths will be already placed. We will name the name of all the the who the wreaths are for and who uh, is uh, is laying them but we won't physically be laying them. And after the church, uh, or after the remembrance service, we'll be going to the Legion for, for a little soup and sandwiches. Right, and uh, I know a lot of people like to attend that service, and of course at the Legion uh, afterwards, and you've got room for about 100 or so or more? Or? About 100. Uh, this year we decided that it's, uh, it's members and guests. We're still into that sort of COVID-type right. era, and we haven't quite gone back to 100 percent we'd say uh, 99 i guess <laughs> so it's basically uh members and guests members and guests yes. and i know like you said every year um you want to honor uh the war dead the veterans that are still with us today and i know that number uh, especially for the second world war uh, tell me a bit about this past year have we lost any veterans uh from from the previous year 
Well, it's uh, interesting that you would ask that question. We just lost uh, World War II veteran on uh, on Wednesday morning, oh. uh, Beatrice Cuttrell. She was in the Women's Army uh, Corps during the Second World War, and we just lost her, and she was uh, 97 years old. So uh, we have her funeral and Legion service uh, Saturday, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And before that, uh, one uh, we w- lost uh, Jerry uh, McKenzie this year, uh, Royal Canadian Navy veteran, which was uh, a big part of our Wedgeport Legion. Uh, took over when uh, when we were in dire straits and brought it up to what the Legion is today. So those are two of the members, or two of our veterans that we lost this year. And so important to remember them. Uh, so important to honor. They're veterans that have lived after the war, of course, for sure, but those who died in the war, too, to remember uh, the sacrifice they made, the ultimate sacrifice for uh, the freedoms that we enjoy today. So the ceremony, that revolves ar- around a lot of that. It's, it's reflecting, it's remembering those, those individuals. Well, exactly. It, it's remembering the war dead, but it's remembering also the people that served. And when we remember... Uh, the veterans or the sacrifices that have been that have been done. Yes, we have those that did the ultimate sacrifice, but also we have those uh, that make the sacrifice of when they come home, including uh, soldiers, sailors, and airmen of today. They have mental and physical uh, uh, injuries that co- stem from their service to, to the nation. So it's not only remembering the war dead as far as I'm concerned, but it's remembering all the sacrifices of all the veterans uh, from all the wars, and to including the, the soldiers and sailors and airmen of today. And, uh, and with that service, I know you encourage uh, people from all, of all ages to come out and attend because it's really, uh, it's educational for everybody in case they don't know, uh, you know, about what's happened. And it's not just the, the First World War, Second World War, it's the other wars too that uh, people have to remember, right? Yes, the more people we can get out and remember, the, the better we like it. Uh, we find more and more the young people have no concept of which war was when, uh, how far away the First World War is, how far away the Second World War, but Korea and, of course, Afghanistan, which was our, our latest, uh, latest conflict. But a lot of young people, uh, it's not taught in the schools, so they have no concept of our history and, and the reason why we have Remembrance Day and why we should remember. Is there work being done with schools right now leading up to Remembrance Day? I know uh, usually there's some visits by uh, veterans or Legion members. Yes, that'll go on next week uh, for us in Wedgeport and also the Yarmouth Legion. Uh, we we uh, go to all the schools in our area for a remembrance service. The other thing that we do in Wedgeport uh, for the last three years, we have a retired school teacher that's part of our Legion, and she researches uh, reference material mm-hmm. for the schools that are uh, age-appropriate for the different, uh, different grades. So for the last three years, we've been purchasing, purchasing books or videos that will help assist the teachers in teaching remembrance to the students. Wow. I know my, uh, my stepdaughter started school this year and, uh, in Carleton, and uh, she told me the other day, uh, we wear a poppy on Remembrance Day to remember the veterans. So it's being taught, I guess, in school in, in, in that way, you know. But you, like you said, when you get older, uh, you know, you hope to hear more of when was the First World War, when was the Second World War, when was the Korean War, and all those things being taught. So this certainly helps that and, and helps uh, folks uh, folks remember. Something else you wanted to touch on, Andre, and I wanted to touch on too because I think it's a great initiative, is uh, putting Canadian flags on uh, the graves of the veterans uh, around the area. That work has been ongoing. Yes, uh that that work has been ongoing by several people. Uh, the Westport Legion, we do 19 different cemeteries within our area. The uh, Community Pride Club from Maple Grove, they do two cemeteries, and they're assisted by a Royal Canadian Navy veteran, a submariner uh, by Johnny Gratton and his wife. And for the last several years, they've been assisted by members from the 84th Independent Field Battery, which is the local uh, military unit here. The remainder of the cemeteries, not done by uh, Yarmouth or, or Maple Grove, are done by a couple from Pubnico, which is, I mentioned earlier, uh, Johnny Gratton and his wife, Crystal. And like I said, he's a Navy veteran. And for the first few years, they went out, identified all the graves 
veterans' graves they could find in all the cemeteries around Yarmouth County that we weren't doing. And on their own dime, they purchased the Canadian flags that they put out and, of course, their, their gas and everything else, uh, identifying the graves, uh, GPS, taking pictures of all, all, the, all the headstones, and in some cases doing research on some of those veterans that are buried there. Now, this year, to assist them, the three legions within the Yarmouth uh, County, uh, Wedgeport, Pubnico, and uh, Yarmouth, we uh, got together and we purchased a thousand flags for them so that they don't have to put that out of, out wow. of their pocket. So in Yarmouth County, if you see a flag on, on a grave, it's, it's been done either by them, us, or Maple Grove. So it's really a collaboration. And, and you've all kind of planned out where, where you're going to go, who's going to put what flags where. Or is it if you see a flag that's not on a veteran's grave, then just kind of take it upon yourself? It, it's all planned out. We have lists and, and those type of things. And at times we get veterans, other veterans join us, and we get uh, not just members sometimes from the, the local military unit. We get uh, serving members come from other areas uh, to help us. But, yeah, if there's a flag there, we did it. <laughs> or one of th- those groups have done it. Well, that certainly is uh, amazing. Andre, uh, I know a lot of uh, different uh, initiatives have happened. Uh, I know something we talked about, I think it was last April, was the Buddy Check Coffee um, that was being started up by the Wedgeport Legion. Uh, how is that going so far? Buddy Check Coffee has had its ups and downs. Uh, we've seen a few good, more members last night, uh, and we're still doing it. Uh, once a month, we do, do it in uh, Yarmouth. And the last the remainder of the month, we've been doing it in Wedgeport, but we're hoping that Pubnico is going to come online here uh, no later in January, in which case then we'll, we'll uh, share it between the three legions. Mm. And with the price of gas, that'll give veterans that are in certain areas an opportunity to come at least once a month to, uh, to join other veterans. So, so the coffee group's going well. We've got to start better advertising it because we're always looking for, we, we find it's the same people coming, so we want to try to find new people to, to new veterans to come and join us. Want to get as many people out as you possibly can. Yes. Uh, certainly uh, understandable. Through the pandemic, uh, you know, I know it was a little difficult to get some things off the ground, obviously with restrictions. But uh, you know, financially for legions right now, and for the Wedgeport Legion, how, how are things going? How can people help if they want to help out in that sense? Well, you know, the way to help us is uh, if we have a function, is to come is to come help us. Mm. Uh, Yes, during the pandemic, uh, a lot of legions had difficulty fundraising different things. Again, we were fortunate that uh, we had been uh, fundraising and that, and uh, we were in, in good condition. Other legions, have it, it hurt them quite badly, but now that the pandemic is starting to, to open up, they're starting to fundraise again and things are starting to fall in place. The Yarmouth Legion is having its bingos and its uh, dances and stuff again. So... And Wedgeport is having his wing night and, and bingo. So, uh, yes, it's, it's starting to come back. Well, that's good to hear. And uh, I know legions are uh, they are very important, you know, again, for the history and for uh, that, that social aspect for veterans and, and even more for legion members. So we certainly like to hear that. Uh, Andre, is there anything else you'd like to touch on uh, ahead of uh, what's going to be another Remembrance Day ceremony for the Wedgeport Legion on Friday? Yes, I'd like to touch on probably a couple things. Uh, the, the Poppy campaign is ongoing, as you know now. Uh, we're forever looking for people to help us, and, and we'd like if we could get some local veterans, they don't have to be Legion members, and come help us with the Poppy campaign, whether it be in Yarmouth or Wedgeport or Pubnico. Uh, if they're a veteran, they, they can spare a couple hours to come out and, and stand by one of our Poppy boxes because that makes a big difference for us in, in the Poppy campaign. And again, what's raised during the Poppy campaign is used for veteran to support veterans in need and their families. And the other quick one I just would like to mention is is uh, one that's always near and dear to my heart is uh, that people attend a Remembrance Day service somewhere, no matter where they are, small village, uh, whether they come to Yarmouth or Wedgeport or Pubnico, Carlton, or whether it's Port Maitland, that they attend a, a Remembrance Day service. Take a little, a few minutes of your time on Remembrance Day to remember those that we've lost and those that are suffering today. And if you can't uh, attend the Remembrance Day service at 11 o'clock, take a couple minutes of your time, have a couple minutes of silence, and then you can carry on with your day. Even if you're in a tree stand, take it two minutes at 11 o'clock. It's not going to hurt you. And it just remembers the sacrifice made in, in 
uh, conflicts and, and even today. So I thank you very much. It's something for me that I can't envision. I can't envision, you know, serving and, 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 and facing that. And these men and women face that. And it's just something that we need to be so, so thankful for. And, I, and, and you're right, Andre. We say it every year. Wear a poppy. Be thankful. Ten, attend a ceremony on Remembrance Day. We, most of us get the day off for it, and this is the reason for it. Yes, and it, it's important. Take, it's a few minutes of your day. you got the rest of the day to do what you want. That's and right. It, it, uh, it's very important for us to remember. It's, uh, it's an emotional day, and as I get older, it gets more emotional every year. So it's important. It is. Andre Boudreau, thank you so much for your time. Again, the uh, Remembrance Day ceremony for uh, Remembrance Day service for Wedgeport is coming up on uh, the 11th. It'll be at St. Michael's Church, uh, first of all. And the time for that starting again is? Starting at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Perfect. 10 o'clock. And uh, a ceremony, or rather a, a reception afterwards at the Wedgeport Legion. Andre Boudreau is a secretary for the Wedgeport Legion Branch 155. And uh, thank you for sharing everything that's going on. And we'll get you back again soon. Great. Thank you very much, Kevin. I always appreciate the invite and, and, uh, and what you do for us by, by promoting veterans and veterans' issues. So our, thank you very much. Our pleasure. Thank you so much, Andre. The Weekender returns in a moment on Y95. Welcome back to The Weekender on Y95. Welcome back to The Weekender on Y95. My name is Jacob Postlewaite. I'm joined today by David Salos, and he's here to share the history of a soldier from Yarmouth who who fought in World War I. So thank you for joining me today, David. Thanks, Jacob. Uh, it, it's always interesting to get to know the contribution that came from so many of the soldiers that came from this particular area. Yes, for sure. And especially, you know, this time of year, Remembrance Day coming up. So it's it's good to, you know, remember these people and, and share their stories. So you yeah, absolutely. You brought, yeah. So you brought us some history here today. Uh, so, you know, you brought some letters that this this soldier wrote home during the war. Uh, but before we get into that, you know, just tell us a little bit about this guy and, you know, who he was. Sure. So I grew up on the Wyman Road just outside of town, and next door to my home uh, was an elderly elderly lady, uh, Florence Wyman, and her daughter Iona. Uh, and I had known them my entire early life, and I known, had known that uh, one of Florence's children had served and died in World War One, but I didn't know much more about him. And after both ladies had passed away, a nephew, uh, or actually a grandson, was cleaning out the house. And uh, on a shelf high in a closet in one of the bedrooms, there was a, a shoebox full of letters. And uh, when I opened it, I discovered that it was a remarkable history or a remarkable uh, description of what this soldier had experienced during his time in, in World War I, from the time he signed up. And sadly, to the time when the telegram arrived saying that uh, he had been killed, and that was in the battle at Passchendaele. Uh, so it was it was really striking to to get to know this person whose picture was hanging on the wall in a different way. And when you read the letters, it, he becomes a, I want to say, a living, breathing person. Uh, so he he wrote back pretty frequently throughout the, the war. Then there are over two hundred and fifty pieces of correspondence wow. in that box. <laughs> wow! Uh, and uh, including the silver cross that would have been sent to his mother, and the big bronze token that came to be known as a dead penny that was given to the families of fallen soldiers. Okay. So it's a remarkable collection of correspondence for sure and how, how old was this guy when he when he shipped off uh I, I believe he had his 19th birthday in the forces wow so. wow so um if you like i i can begin yes for sure definitely want to hear you so, know what what he had to say so his first letter is dated august 18th 1915 it says dear mother i am now in valcarce i am in the infantry the 40th battalion d company I have not heard anything about the machine gun section. I've been armed with a rifle and a bayonet, and I've been placed on an advanced squad of recruits, and I can take my end of the work. Very truly yours, W.A. Wyman, signing, signed for Wilfred Adolphus Wyman. Next, Alcarce, August 26, 1916. Dear Mother, I received your letter and was glad to hear from you, as it was the first news I have had from Yarmouth. I've had a cold ever since I've come here, and I've had wet feet about every day but today. I was issued with a pair of heavy boots and a pair of canvas slippers to wear evenings. 
The parts of my outfit that I've received so far are boots, slippers, three shirts, two pairs of socks, one towel, one pair of trousers, two pairs of heavy wool drawers, a water bottle, harness, blankets, and mess tin. I will be very glad when I get my overcoat. Love to all. And he signs this one, number 15848, Private W.A. Wyman, D Company, 40th Battalion. Next, Valcarce, August 30th, 1915. Dear brother, this place is 18 miles from Quebec and a soldier is not allowed outside the camp. To go away on special business, one has to get a pass from the sergeant major. There are a few belonging to the fair sex passing by here occasionally. I just received my overcoat tonight and it is a mile too big for me. I was once fussy about the food I ate, but it is no place for that. Take what is thrown at you and keep still about it. I do not think I will get too fat on this job. I had a fine ride up here, but we were like sheep shut up in a car, and we had train meals aboard the train. We, had, we have had practice on bayonet fighting once in a while, and it is hard on the muscles and the wind, especially on a long charge. P.S. I wish I could sleep in that bed of yours for a night, after sleeping on the ground for two or three weeks. However, someday I will sport a good bed. We're now into September of 1915. Dear mother. So he's so right now he's still in Canada and he's he's still in Canada. There, there. He's at the training camp in Valcarche, Quebec. Yes. Okay. Great. Uh, so we're now September 1915. Dear mother, I received my first pay, twenty-four dollars and eighty-five cents, with ten dollars taken off for the outfit, part of which I have got. I bought three military books today on map and field sketching, which includes several points in my line. Also, field engineering, and when I get in England where they rate you for what you know, I expect to get some kind of a job in this line. This supposition is imaginary at present. Today, D Company was inoculated, which painful act is generally performed on the arm, but we were bayoneted in the breast. We have 48 hours off, and believe me, they are a sick-looking bunch around here. September 4th, two days later, Dear Mother, I tell you, a soldier is a busy man if he keeps his belongings and things occupied by him shining. Then September 26th, Dear Mother, I hope there's been nothing in my letters to cause you to worry. Many things are different than I had figured out, but I would not be at home or out of the army for anything under the present condition of the empire. October 1915, still in Valcarche, Quebec. Dear Mother, I received your welcome yes- letter yesterday. I've been all in since I last wrote to you. I've had la grip, and I tell you what brings you off your pins. I am weak yet, but improving all the time. I did not get any money this month. I was absent when they all signed the payroll on account of being sick. Hoping you are all well and not worrying about me, for I am all right and will be home some day and will not be sorry when the war is over. The next letter is from Bramshot Camp in England, dated October 30th, 1915. Okay. My dear mother, I am now in the old country. We left Valcarche two weeks ago on the 1st of November, embarked on the Saxonia that noon. We steamed out of the St. Lawrence on our way to England. Well, I can describe my trip by saying I never want to cross the Atlantic in the same way. The eatables and the sleeping places for privates got the best of me. We had soup. One soldier said he dived down to the bottom of it, was there for half an hour, but could find nothing. Also fish cooked with rats to give it a good flavor. Later on, we arrived in Liphook and marched into Bramshot Camp, about two miles distance. We are in huts, about 40 per hut. It is a palace alongside what we had. Next letter is November 6, 1915. To his brother. Dear brother, we have had squad drill. We were issued with our new rifles the other day, Ross Mark Threes, somewhat heavier and different from those old wooden sticks you boy soldiers play with down in my old hometown Yarmouth, under the instruction of Captain G.D. I have seen several balloons around here, although high in the air. You talk about your big cars, tractors, and engines. They are as thick as hair on a dog here, and they travel at a good rate with a heavy load. I am broke today. You might say a soldier spends his money foolishly, but if you eat what I have eaten, and when you get to a place where there is an apple, an ice cream, a piece of candy, cake, and a good cup of tea for sale, the money goes like fire through dry grass on a windy day. P.S. Tell mother that I have made out my will. 
I leave all my money and property to her when I die. We were issued with small books, and in them was the will form. Uh, just a note here, generally the soldiers were all issued with uh, a copy of the New Testament, and um, a will form was attached. Okay. Okay. So next letter from Bramshot Camp, December 13th, 1915. Dear Mother and Father, our sergeant has just been in and told us they want several carpenters to go to France immediately. I wish I was one, but someday it will happen to, know, to want men knowing something in my line. The men in England will be forced to fight now. They have lost their chance to volunteer on December 11th. December 26th, 1915. Dear Mother, I spent the worst Christmas yesterday that I ever did. A week ago today, an airplane was all broke up here when it landed on the ground. Some sight to see them flying and looping the loop. It is very muddy here and raining. One gets sick of this life after a few months. I wish the war was over or we were at the front fighting. P.S. I would have been at the ranges this week if I had not been sick, but we'll probably go next week. We were out on night work about a week ago. It was very dark and one company was attacking another, our company doing the advancing. I went out to get some information about their troops. All of a sudden I felt my feet sinking in something soft. I set out to get down and stuck my rifle barrel in it. Later I discovered it was a human and it looks like the word skull. Some practice in getting around in the night. January 16, 1916. Dear sister and family, tell Papa if he had a battalion to dig trenches for him, he would have his whole farm dug up in over a few weeks. We extend out in a line, each man having two feet on each side of him and the space he stands on to dig to the required depth and width, digging for an hour and then relieve for an hour. You would be surprised how quick we can sink down in the ground. February 1916. Dear brother, you talk of being in hospital. Why, you had great care. You want to be sick in the army for a while. I have found it better to stay well. We have eight blankets, two overcoats on us, and a tick filled with straw to sleep in. Remember how we used to lay in mornings in the old straw bed? Well, none of that, boy. We're in the army now. The next letter was from East Sandling in Kent, dated February 20th, 1916. Dear mother and family, I would like to be home for tonight. The army is certainly hell in some ways, but if I was back home and it was August 5th, 1915, and I knew as much as I know now, I would enlist, but not in the infantry as a private soldier, but in the CE, which I am going to try to get in, or in the infantry as a battalion signaler. March 3rd, 1916. Dear mother, I expect to leave this afternoon or early tomorrow. I suppose when I am in the trenches, Papa and Maynard will be planting the seeds and throwing the manure peacefully on your little farm in Sand Beach. March 18th. <clears throat> Dear Mother, as I lie in my tent in France, I think of home and you all. We are many miles apart, but I hope to meet you again. I can hear the steamboat and the fog whistle sometimes, and they remind me of, of home and the old Boston boat and the Burl and Johnson. P.S. Send me plenty of good socks. The next notice was a Western Union telegram dated April 15th. Mrs. Florence Wyman sincerely regret to inform you, Private Wilfred A. Wyman Infantry officially reported admitted to number 22 General Hospital April 7th. Pneumonia serious. April 8th, 1916. Dear Mother, as I lie in bed, I will write you a few lines. I just got out here when the climate hit me, or rather, my health, and now I am a wreck, although gaining in strength and feeling better today. I've had pneumonia and do not want to have it again. Just three more days, and I will be 19 years old, and I never thought I would spend it in the hospital. We have a few Canadian nurses in this ward, and they are very kind to us soldiers. Uh, Next, the Canadian, dated from the Canadian Hospital in Taplow, May 1st, 1916. Dear brother, just a few lines after recovering from another disease. I had pneumonia, as I already wrote you, but I was getting over it nicely, being up out of bed one day and a half. They moved me to a new ward when I felt an increasing pain in my right side. I had to give in and tell the sister. 
Mustard plasters were of no use. Doctors examined me and were puzzled whether to relieve me of my appendix or not. May 30th, 1916. Dear Mother, I am improving daily. This is the 13th day after being operated on, and I can walk a little. I myself have touched very near the limits of life, but have pulled through pneumonia and appendicitis in two months. There's two things I'm going to do or else die trying. That is, become an experienced electrical and mechanical engineer and remove every darn spot from my would-be pure white skin. He was plagued with what he considered to be his freckles. <laughs> That's us. So cheer up, Mother. We are not dead yet, and better days are coming. July 14th, 1916. Dear Mother, I expect to go to Scotland tonight. I am going to apply to the Royal Flying Corps to join at the Air Service. I am going back to France in the 25th Battalion after I return from Scotland. I hope you will not worry about me. Say nothing, Mother. I make a few blunders, but I am not ashamed to own it. I will succeed in this world or die doing it. A most honorable death. I am too proud to suck around my superiors to get a soft job. I deal on the fair and square, Mother, so I think it would be self-evident to you why I am returning to France as soon as possible. Just a note here that while he was in Scotland, he met a girl. Oh. I'll share a the little plot, more. The plot thickens. The plot thickens, the plot thickens for our, our young gentleman. Yeah, I'll share a little more about her uh, when, when <laughs> these are completed. August 5th, 1916. Dear Mother, it is just a year ago today since I put my name on the list of Sam Hughes' circus. Yesterday, I was warned to proceed to France immediately to the 5th Battalion. This move was because I went to the Sergeant Major to see how I could get a transfer to the Royal Flying Corps. I tell you there is very few men in the army who ever got anything without pull, and it is very hard to get a show when you are an insignificant private, but I will get there yet. From France, August 15, 1916, Dear Mother, I expect to be in a few days in the most speedy part of the line where they rush the plow and speed the telegram. So please do not worry about me at the first news of an accident. There is no use crying over spilled milk. September 3rd, 1916. Dear Mother, this is from the 25th Canadians Hospital, or the 25th Canadians Battalion, 2nd West General Hospital, September 3rd, 1916. My dear Mother, I am in the above hospital, seven miles from Manchester. I was wounded on the 17th in a charge on a German trench by a machine gun bullet, I think, tearing a large hole in my left leg about four inches below the hip on the inner part of the leg, going right through and knocking me off my pins. For 24 hours, I laid in a shell hole just about a thousand miles beyond the back of the other edge of nowhere. But those dark hours are over for the present. My leg is much better this morning, but I cannot bear any weight on it yet. I will soon be limping around. November, uh, November 8th, 1916. Dear Mother, how I wish this war was over and I was just free of this discipline and once more could enjoy life. However, I live in hope, and someday I will tumble and struggle to the place I often think of. I am well, so do not cast any worry over yourselves. What is going to happen will happen, so just enjoy life to the highest degree, as you can be assured that I will never forget what you have done for us. And someday, if all live, we will not only tell you, but demonstrate. So just be merry through these dark times, and thus help us. If it is my fate to die young, I will do so immaterial to how long or short the war may last. This being my belief, I have no fear in this war and will succeed in life or die trying. I can suffer as much pain or hardships without squealing as the next one. So pack up your troubles in your old kit bag and smile. November 20th, 1916, Dear Mother and Father, I wish you could see about a thousand men after a ten-mile march in France in the hot sun. The first thing they do is off-shirt and start looking for lice. Some sight, believe me. I used to turn my shirt wrong side out and thus give them, meaning the lice, a march. While we were doing this, I could sleep. January 15, 1917, Dear Mother and All, my dear lady friend sent me a cake and a silk handkerchief, which is enclosed with a picture of her. You asked me to say something about her. 
To make it short, she's a college girl and a great singer, kind-hearted, sensible, and everything that one could want in a young lady. May 12, 1917. Dear Mother, just a few lines before proceeding to France. I'm in the pink of health and the happiest of spirits. Someday I'll be coming back again. My platoon sergeant is going back with me. He was wounded the same night I was. July 12, 1917. Dear Mother and all, I received your letter when I was in the front line. C. Trask is, in, is my platoon officer, and we had quite a few casualties, but on the whole, it was not a bad trip. We had to make a trench for ourselves and named it Tusket somewhere in France. Lieutenant Trans Trask gave it that name, and Sergeant Clements named his Pubnico. I'm in the machine gun section, and my mate on the gun has just treated me with lunch from the YMCA counter, and it is great after bully beef and hard biscuits. October 11th, 1917. Dear Mother and Father, I'm in the pink of health with lots to do in the mud up to one's neck. You know what the ground is like after days of rain. I had a nice box from the Saturday Night Club a few weeks ago. It had traveled many different places and was a wee bit shell-shocked. The miner's liniment is great for one's feet after being soaked in mud and water for two or three days. I'll be glad when I get your box from home, Mother, as our eatables in the trenches are very unpleasant to the taste. Don't worry, but keep on smiling, as I do, and everything will go on just the same. And then there's the telegram and the letter from the Department of Militia and Defense. And this is uh, <coughs> the notice that says... The unit is the 25th Battalion, the name uh, W.A. Wyman, number 415848, date of death, the 6th of November, 1917, cause of death, killed in action, and the description basically says, the above-mentioned soldier had dug a funk hole on the left of the company and was resting there on November 6, 1917, when an enemy shell landed on the paradox of the funk hole, smashing it in and killing him instantly. There was also a letter from the chaplain to his parents basically saying uh, the description of circumstances around his death and praying for comfort for the family. So that's how the life of this young soldier from Yarmouth uh, came to be. Uh, the collection of letters is in the archives here at the Yarmouth County Museum. And uh, interestingly enough, the uh, contents of his uh, another box had the personal effects that would have been sent home from the war. Inside that box was a small wallet, and in the wallet was a photograph of the girl he mentions in the letter. That's, that's that must have been been powerful for his family, you know, to oh yeah to get that, and he's been you know writing about her so much. It seemed like they were, and they, it seemed like they were interested in in her, and you know, to to get that photo. Yeah, what's it's more interesting, sort of a, you know, a peek into his life overseas. What what is more interesting is his sister uh, began corresponding with the girl that he had fallen in love with, and they continued that correspondence for the rest of their lives. Wow, uh, neither one of them ever married. That's amazing. Uh, I, that is he, amazing that you know they were able to form that that bond. Did they ever get to to meet each other? Or uh, they never met. They never met, but they wrote regularly. And I re I recall um, his his sister as an elderly lady, okay. making sure that she had her box for Scotland packed every Christmas to send over. Wow. Uh, one of the letters mentions the Saturday Night Club, and that was a group of ladies here in Yarmouth who met to prepare boxes to send overseas to the soldiers. And um, he describes some of the things in it, including the, the miner's liniment. Um, but there was another letter to Mrs. Wyman, um, and this is dated February 14th, 1918. And it basically says uh, this, Mrs. W. Wyman, I beg to inform you that the contents of a parcel spent, sent by you to Private W. Wyman, number 415848, who has since been reported killed, uh, have been has been forwarded to the officer commanding the unit for distribution to the addressee's comrades in accordance with the minutes of the Privy Council for Canada. 
uh, dated uh, 15th September 1917, relating to the disposal of perishable items, etc., contained in undelivered parcels. So uh, the last goodie box from home got shared with his comrades. Wow. Uh, that story is is amazing, you know, and and just to see the the writing ability that that young man had at because he was eighteen for most of that the ability he had to you know describe where he was at and he even had you know some letters where he just talked about you know what he was thinking and the mindset he was in and he just had this this positive attitude towards things he was able to you know find the find he, a silver lining in he, all the horrible he, things he saw he he did that uh, as i said earlier we have no idea what these soldiers went through right and um you know there's so much that we don't know this is just one example of a soldier here in yarmouth and we're fortunate in that his his mother carefully saved all this correspondence uh most correspondence like that would have been lost over the years but uh you know the cenotaph in front of the the library uh it was unveiled in 1923, uh, contains the names of those soldiers from Yarmouth who were killed in World War I. Uh, his name is the last name of those who were killed in, in World War I because they're listed alphabetically, and his last name was Wyman. Um, interestingly enough, there's also another name on that cenotaph, uh, the name of Malcolm Can, and um, uh, he was one of the very first four Canadians to die in World War One, and most of us don't realize how much a town like Yarmouth contributed to that war effort right. and the losses that were sustained. And as a result of that, all of the families that never really came to be because of mm -hmm. those people that lost their lives. So it's a really sober, it is sobering thought. To see such, you know, a, a bright young man, you know, lost in the prime of his life. But his, his story, you know, is, is one that's 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 living on now and you know yep. it's being preserved and we're, we're remembering it especially now is a perfect time to remember his story and to remember all that he and everybody sacrificed absolutely for freedom absolutely as i say he's a, he's an example of a uh young man from yarmouth who uh, went on thinking when he signed up that this would be straightforward we'll get this done and and then life will continue on. And unfortunately for so many, life didn't continue on. For many that returned, life was never the same. No. So it is important for us to remember. It is, and that's, that's our responsibility, is to remember these people and remember what they sacrificed for us. David, thank you so much for, for coming in today and for, for sharing uh, the words of, of this soldier who, who gave his life for our freedom here in Canada and, and for sharing you know those words that he that he sent back here during World War I. So thank you very much. Thank you, Jacob, for the opportunity. And uh, I, I hope we all take time to, uh, to, to do our part to remember. I, as I said, as a, often as a kid growing up, as someone who never really experienced war, it's hard to remember what you haven't seen. So we have to go by the records that were left from those who went before us. And that's our program for today. Thanks for listening. For story suggestions or to submit feedback, email news.cjls at radioabl.ca or call our news line at 902-749-1919. To listen to archived versions of our program, visit us online at cjls.com and click on The Weekender. The Weekender is a production of the Y95 Newsroom and is brought to you by Eris Yarmouth, your one-stop healthy home center.